Silent scan. Silent scan. Bombs and bits. You can't control us. Bombs and A frightening dystopia. Bombs and bits. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Open your eyes. Bombs and An alternate reality. We begin as wanderers, and we are wanderers still. Everyone, welcome tonight to this episode of Bombs and Bants. As always, we have Mark. Hello, everyone. The Misses. Hello. Hello. And I'm John. <laughs> tonight, we have uh, three stories for you. One on what's the difference between preppers and survivalists. We want have one that's pandemic. Pandemic. Well, we'll fix Pan-damic. that. Pandemic. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> John. That's John Claude. John Claude. Anyway. Pandemic rules are only for the little people. We'll start off with this uh, article from American Partisan about a dog with a squeaky toy. (laughs) Come here. Come here. I'll take that. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) And now we have a very sad dog in the room. (laughs) Okay. Because he thought I was going to throw it. All right, so the uh, first article, and now all of the articles will be linked in the description, um, is from American Partisan. American Partisan is a fairly large website, and this one is an oldie but a goodie. This is actually one I've seen make, uh, make the rounds on the web several different times. This is, however, the first time I've printed B-52 reconnaissance tips of the trade Vietnam. B-52 doesn't refer to a bomber. It refers to an actual special forces group. Uh, it's the fifth special forces group airborne of the first special forces. So they were active in Vietnam. And so again, special forces team, not a bomber. And one of the thing going through the 39 pages of lists uh, I found is some of them are really, really natural. I'm not ex-military, but I'm a hunter. And a lot of the things that are natural to someone who's spent a lot of time doing woodcraft and up in the woods just makes sense from this. When you're a hunter, you want to be silent. You want to, you want to see and not be seen. And a lot of those, a lot of that mindset is kind of a direct transfer of these points. Some of them come from backpacking and camping. And I do imagine that some of the folks that, uh, well, not with the special forces, they would have, they would have had training in it, but Again, I've spent months and months literally of my life in a tent. So I do know that that sort of thing comes with time. Now, one of the 39 points that I, or actually one of the 39 pages, it's actually several pages of 39 pages. I don't think I'm planning on capturing any prisoners of war soon. Are you sure about that? Well, if I have to, I'll use a white van and I'll put free healthcare on the side. There you go. I have a plan (laughs) for this. But I will note that you'll, uh, you'll catch lots of liberals that way. <laughs> That's well, I, I did say prisoner of war. <laughs> but I did say that uh, this uh, I didn't mention that this was based on jungle warfare. And so there, there are things that are applicable almost universally. And then there are some things that apply directly only to Vietnam. And if you're in Vietnam with a force that has helicopters and airplanes and bombers and radio, all in all a good article. If you 
are familiar with woodcraft, I uh, recommend it. If you're ex-military, you probably have most of this down. So that's that article. Well, I'll just jump right in here. So there are two things that I really, really hate in life. The first one of those is irony. The second one is lists. And this article was one long list after another. And I felt after I started reading this that I could probably read it if I had about six years of free time, but then I might have other things that I want to do, you know, like get poked in the eye with a sharp stick. So there's that. And thank you for the Cliff's Notes version of it, because then that means it's okay that I didn't read this entire list. You know, and this got me thinking that, you know how there's the Dislidified app or the Dislidified website, whatever it is. I don't know. I haven't heard of that one. The internet is magic to me. And so mm-hmm. I go there and it just Dislidifies everything so that you don't have to click through all the slides. Well, anyway, there should be a Dislidified website too. And maybe some pictures of squirrels mm-hmm. with large testicles. So what you're saying is this is a list that's not good for people with ADHD, but good for people with OCD. Perhaps so. There you go. You found the the, the niche market for that. (laughs) On the bright side, however, I did get to the bottom of it because I scroll very quickly and I have a wheel mouse. So uh, you can support them with Patron. Patron. Oh. Oh, never mind then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's my worthless commentary. Mark, what do you have yeah. Oh, well, actually, I'll just, just uh, start off with sort of what you, you did. I, yeah, it's a long list. I think it's really more useful to the person that already has a little bit of a background in doing this, just to, as a checklist to go over and make sure you haven't missed something. For instance, you know, some of the tips about how to handle hand grenades obviously is not going to be applicable to us. But, you know, for the soldier, uh, you know, that's, that, that may be something that they as they'll glance through it, go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, or, you know, the American partisan <laughs> right? who's uh, looking through this as well. It, but it does, it does have a lot of good tips, even though uh, you're right. It doesn't, it's not going to have a, a lot of application to the civilian, even if uh, things get spicy here in the U.S., but yeah, I, I like the ideas. It sort of reminds me of the, it's uh, Rogers rules that were uh, just a short list of, of uh, rules that first ranger rangers in the Revolutionary War Absolutely. had. But uh, yeah, for any anybody listening, the Rogers beauty, rules are the, the short version. <laughs> the, the beauty of this is, is the missus will look those up and those will appear right when you said them. Is it another list? It's another list, but it's a short list. You know list. how I love those. <laughs> but it's a short list. It's a very short one. It's a short <laughs> list. And it, but it also includes something you ate. Get up early. What, why do I? Oh, is that on the list? It's on the list. I, there are time zones where 3 p.m. here is early. <laughs> Come on. It's early somewhere, right? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of handling hand grip, but I, yeah, it, one of the things I thought about that was, you know, Practicing that skill probably is a good way not to get invited to the next block party in the neighborhood. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you, and if you go well, to a I, Scottish wedding, you need to make sure you pick the, bring the right kind of claymore. Well, that's a <laughs> I don't know. I mean, grenade might make, a, make the block party even more interesting. It probably would help get it make the front page of the paper. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very small paper. <laughs> <laughs> that means a better chance of getting on the front page. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, you know, a 4th of July type party. Somebody, somebody sets off their uh, M80 and then, then you're like, here, hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Tannerite is legal in our state, so. And in fact, didn't that happen <laughs> at our, one of our Fourth of July gatherings? I know it was earlier this summer. It was us and the neighbors and the big brush pile at the bottom of the hill. Mm -hmm. And we had tried to let the light the brush pile on, on, on fire, the brush pile on fire. And how many things did we try? We eventually got to gasoline. And when you know that when you're bringing gasoline as your last resort, you've tried everything. And after the gasoline, we tried lighting it from afar with bottle rockets. And I don't know what those trees are made of, but we need to build houses out of those <laughs> yes. because nothing set those things on fire. And yes, there was a little bit of alcohol involved. I'll admit that. <laughs> By the time we got to the bottle rockets. Yes. <laughs> Whenever someone says, let's mix gasoline and bottle rockets, you know that someone else is saying, hold my beer. Well, tell you what, we'll go next to Mark with what's the difference between preppers and survivalists. Thank you, John. And this is something that may seem uh, pedantic to most people on the difference. I'm, I'm not sure that, that there's a black and white difference. The author s sort of uh, sets it up as, you know, basically preppers are into gear and uh, survivalists are into uh, changing their lifestyle. I don't know if that's exactly correct. And, and it also, you know, I think it's more of a spectrum than a, than a clear black and white. One of the reasons I prefer to use the word prepper is because survivalist is also a term that people that are experience with wilderness survival will use for themselves. So I think it leads to some confusion to try to uh, overlay uh, a survivalist as in a, a prepper has a, com well, I don't want to say compound, but, you know, a, a cabin somewhere or a home up in a, you know, farm or, or something else rural that they live in versus confusing it with the, you know, less Stroud or people like him that, that are experienced in the outdoors. I, I think that's a good distinction you make there because, a survivalist is someone maybe who is much more dealing with the short term, the right now, the, the, the incident, where there's a prepper is preparing to live and preparing to live in a long-term fashion. Somebody didn't read the article. You got that exactly backwards. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just going with the flow. I will say, I did read the article. I, I will say that I, I couldn't figure out how Ted Kaczynski figured into this because I know that he completed several difficult technical projects during his period where he was isolated and living off the grid. So, you know, there's that. He was ready for a lockdown, I guess. Okay. And has been experiencing it for many years now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a good way of mixing the uh, low-tech and high-tech ways of pursuing his objectives. I guess we'll frame it that way. Well, you got to have a hobby, right? Hopefully not yeah. one that involves looking people <laughs> up, you know, but... <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know. I just, I look back on it more as a historical change in terms, you know, survivalist, both for the wilderness survivalist and for the, uh, you know, what we think of as the survivalist preparing for a nuclear war or some other uh, way the world might end. Both sort of arose in the 70s and 80s. And the term itself took on a negative connotation in the 80s. And people started looking around for a different term. And I really think that's the real difference is that you know, preppers is just more of a, a newer term that doesn't carry the connotation uh, that's implied with the uh, older 1980s survivalists. But one of the things I'll note that when I was growing up, I, I grew up uh, in a rather rural location. They needed to give me enough free range so that I wouldn't hurt other people, apparently. But or burn things down. <laughs> or burn things down. Um, I never, to keep warm. You I know. Never, yeah, to keep warm. <laughs> but... 
was uh, cold in the mountains. <laughs> but but yes, it, it was up in the mountains, um, and it was very far away from people. But as such, uh, when my mom designed it, she might, she designed our house. She designed it with food storage, and we had tons and tons of food. I mean, we had enough food on the house at any given time to live most of the time months. And I did re- recall that one time when period uh, when when things were very tense with the Soviets, my mother looked at my father and said, do you think we need to buy some dynamite to take out the road? And, you know, when you, you know, growing up, you know, being in fifth grade or whatever it was, I'm thinking my mom wants to buy dynamite to blow up the the road in case there's a nuclear war. I have the coolest mom ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, I mean, it's part of it is a, is a mindset because when you are off in a rural location, you're preparing all the time. You are at least a part prepper all of the time. Uh, we lived in Alaska for a while. And when we went up the, uh, the hall road up to the Arctic Circle, we packed two jacks, four spare tires, five total spare tires. And we were prepared to be up there overnight for two or three days just in case the cart broke down. Again, I think the more rural you are, the more prepping is just part of your mindset. And I think part of that, too, is having sat and watched the whole thing with Hurricane Katrina happening the Gulf Coast and thinking, my goodness, we're out in the middle of nowhere. That could happen at any time. We should probably be prepared in case things go bad. I grew up in, uh, my parents didn't own the farm, but we grew up in a old farmhouse about a half mile from the nearest road and it was pretty much a given that every winter there would be there would be at least one snowstorm that would leave us stuck for two or three days before they were able to get the the road cleared you're right it, when you're in a rural area you you have to be ready yeah because you look if you can't get out for four, three or four or five days which is um we, we never went more than a couple of days not being able to get out but when you look at that you think all right so now we're stuck here and the power goes out what do we do then well and so, you know, again, when my mom designed the house, she designed it so it was, we could keep it warm at 40 below. So we're into our final segment for the night. The article is called Pandemic Rules Are Only for the Little People. It's from the December 2020 issue of Reason Magazine. Well, the basic of this article, of course, and this has been all over the national news, and it's been kind of dribbling out in little bits and pieces over the last eight months that we've been doing this whole pandemic lockdown thing, of course. And that is, is that you know, the hypocrisy of, dare I say, ruling class of our governors and our senators and our representatives and all those people, mayors and positions of power who are issuing these edicts and then brazenly not following them themselves. My favorite is the one that just happened where the mayor of Denver, he said, hey, everyone needs to stay home because you know what? We're going to beat COVID, stay home for Thanksgiving. And then an hour after giving that pronouncement, jumped on a jet to go to Louisiana. No, it wasn't Louisiana. It was Mississippi. And he had a layover in Houston. So he stopped in Houston on the way. And of course, he was going to uh, Mississippi to visit his wife and his daughter. And my main question was when I first heard this story was, why is he's the mayor of Denver? Why is he going to Mississippi to see his wife and daughter? And the answer to that, of course, is because that's where they live. Because he wasn't a leader from Denver. He's just someone who parachuted in to run the city. Well, I'm glad that the wise people of Denver voted that man to be their mayor. Congratulations. <laughs> well, he certainly knows better than them because he can he can avoid the regulations that he helped set. Well, and clearly he knew to get out of Denver for the holidays where I hear the traffic's bad. Well, and that's what Bob Seger told us anyway. Get out of Denver, baby. Go, go. <laughs> was that where he was when he was well, you get to... sad because of his long hair and the people were making fun of him in that one song? I don't know. Maybe we should turn the page on him. 
you get the government you voted for. And you deserve uh, so, to get it good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that seems to be more the, the theme. Um, I recall watching the, uh, the, the creature that runs... Um, Michigan, and I, I, I've been uh, wa- watching her, and I've noticed that she never has a mask on when she's giving these pronouncements and groups of people. But, you know, again, that's just me. Well, and there was this interesting piece in that actual article about Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, who his wife and daughter, of course, flew out of town to go to Florida and then Wisconsin. And he said at a press conference when he was asked about this, he said, my official duties have nothing to do with my family, so I'm not going to answer that question. It's inappropriate and I find it reprehensible. The chutzpah of that man. Can you believe that? It's a lot of guts. It is. Unbelievable. Well, and let's see, we had, uh, was it the California governor that was meeting with various lobbyists and so forth, but in a restaurant with a number of people at a table exceeding what their rules were. And I think we had some some health officials from either Oregon or California that flew to Hawaii for a meeting. I don't know why they're not taking it seriously. Is it just because they think they're above the law, that they're smarter than the rest of us, or is it that they really actually don't believe what they're telling us? Well, here's what the guy from Philadelphia, the mayor of Philadelphia said. He went to Maryland to go to a restaurant indoor because you can't do that in Philadelphia where he lived by his orders. And his quote was, I know some people are upset that I dined indoors at a restaurant in Maryland yesterday. I felt the risk was low because the county I visited had fewer than 800 COVID-19 cases compared to over 33,000 cases in Philadelphia. Regardless, I understand the frustration. So, the mayor of Philadelphia feels that he personally can judge the risk factor for himself, but the rest of us idiots are, are too ignorant to be able to do that, right? And here is the problem. And here, I think, is the basis of it. And I think I, I might be stealing Mark's thunder on this one, but what we see is that we have subdivided uh, the American populace into two, two, well, maybe more than two classes. We have the ruling class and the rest of us. And the ruling class is used to ignoring every single one of those rules. Every rule they write, they're used to ignoring. However. Well, it's what I always say. What is like, you can say it with me because I say it a lot. No, what are you doing out of your cage, peasant? No one told you you could get out. Get back in there. But, but we see it again and again in the highest elected officials. We see people like Hillary Clinton doing things that got a sailor arrested and charged and put into jail. She did exactly the same things that he did and was spent time in jail for. But she did, however, use the George Costanza defense. Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? Because I got to tell you, if somebody had told me not to do that, then I, you know, I just didn't know. So we live in a society where we have created, intentionally or not, a caste system. There are different rules, 100% for those that rule us and for the rest of us. They're the bacon wrapped shrimp club. They are the bacon wrapped shrimp club. As long as you can get into well, those meetings and get your bacon wrapped shrimp, you don't have to follow the rules that little people do. Get back in your cage, peasant. I think your use of the word caste is probably more accurate than even saying class because we've seen articles discussing do the elite essentially going to the same colleges or universities, I should say, getting these nice jobs uh, out of university and socializing with one another and everything. They, they intermarry. And they do. They've erected a a glass ceiling for everyone else. It will be a caste, just like in India. It's almost like we're the Eloi and the Morlocks. 
almost like Sarah Palin faced when she ran with John McCain oh so many years ago. Mm-hmm. You're from a small town. You went to a state college. You shouldn't be able to be an elected representative or, or God forbid, vice president or president of the United States. That's only for the people who go to Harvard and Yale, you know, because they're better than us, right? Well, they certainly think so. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and please do come back next week for the next episode of Bombs and Bands. I'm John. And this is Mark. I'm the missus. All right. And we're out. Y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) 